Welcome. My name is Elliot Rabin, and I welcome everyone to another episode of Prisma Podcast Live. This program gives a platform for people to learn in depth about innovative initiatives at work in Jewish day schools. We're going to start with a presentation, continue with a conversation exploring the initiative and its wider implications, and end by fielding questions from the audience. For today's podcast, the first of four to be recorded this school year, we are delighted to welcome Dr. Dan Glass, head of school at the Brandeis School in San Francisco. His talk is titled, Teaching Toward an Ethical Democracy. After the presentation, Dan will be joined by Josh Gold, who is principal at Hafter Hebrew Academy of the Five Towns and Rockaway in Lawrence, New York. Dan, take it away. Thanks, Elliot. Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm really excited to be here today and uh, share with you a little bit about some thinking and some work that we're doing out here at the Brandeis School of San Francisco. Um, as Elliot mentioned, I'm the head of school here in my eighth year in this role. Um, and we have been thinking about this question of teaching toward an ethical democracy for a while now. I know it's something that a lot of schools around the country have been really wrestling with. Um, thinking about how we bring our young people up in a manner um, that supports them in understanding a sense of uh, civic duty, civic attachment, um, and also really just understanding um, how a democracy works and what it means to be a citizen of a democracy. So um, I'm going to share my screen here, and uh, we're going to jump right into it. Let me share a little bit about who we are um, and how we got here. Uh, the Brandeis School of San Francisco, we are a K-8 Jewish day school in San Francisco, uh, serving about 340 students. And uh, I think like a lot of schools, um, this is something that became felt profoundly important as we were going through the 2016 presidential election cycle and especially in the wake of it. So I'll talk a little bit about that. I'm gonna talk about some specific projects that we've done here, including a celebration of our school's namesake, Justice Brandeis. And then specifically what I'm gonna focus on is um, something that we call the Mifgash Project or Encountering Democracy. Um, and, and I'll share a little bit about that work that's underway here at Brandeis. Um, and then how that's empowered the uh, faculty here at Brandeis and changed our faculty culture um, around thinking and teaching uh, about democracy. So to begin, uh, as I said, we're a K Jewish day school in San Francisco. Um, we are a pretty diverse day school community, um, both uh, racially and ethnically diverse, diverse in terms of family structure, socioeconomic status, um, and certainly in terms of um, Jewish identity uh, and, um, and interfaith identities. Uh, and we also serve non-Jewish families as well. Our core values are something that are a really key part of how we think about teaching toward an ethical democracy. So, you know, as Jewish day schools, uh, I think we really have the benefit when we talk about something like, you know, an ethical democracy or, you know, what Eleanor Roosevelt called the moral underpinnings of democracy. Um, we have the benefit of having clearly articulated ethics, right? I mean, obviously in the Jewish tradition broadly, but each of our schools also specifically um, 
ha tends to have called out some specific community values or core values. Uh, these three, Chesed, Ometz, Lev, and Tikkun Olam, um, are the trio here at Brandeis. Um, and we'll be talking a little bit about um, how those uh, shape the work of this project specifically. As I said, in the uh, during the 2016 presidential election cycle, um, what we were seeing was concern being, you know, concerns being raised from our students about kind of the the discourse um, in in that presidential election cycle in terms of uh, how people were treating each other, talking about one another, um, not just the candidates themselves, um, but also um, the supporters of the candidates. Um, well, uh, San Francisco certainly and Brandeis uh, specifically is a, a broadly progressive uh, in its politics. Um, we are not a, a politically homogenous community. Um, and so, you know, we were having kids really wrestling with um, hearing about that election cycle very differently in, in their homes. Um, and so, you know, in the in the wake of that, we really wanted to commit to teaching a, a kind of citizenship that um, that would be in line with the values that we teach at Brandeis. And we realized as we started having those conversations at the leadership level with the faculty that we had never really stopped to pay attention to our school's namesake. So um, we had graduates who had gone all the way through our program who were now, you know, adults uh, either working in the school or bringing their kids uh, back to the school as alum families who had never really learned about who um, Justice Louis Brandeis was. Um, and so that following fall, we inaugurated uh, Justice Brandeis Day. Um, we celebrate it now every November and it gives us a, a moment to stop and think about, um, you know, what we can learn from Justice Brandeis's life and legacy, um, and especially around this question of uh, an ethical democracy. Um, so here, this is a, a plaque that's in our lobby for this um, art project here. Um, you'll see on the left, it was a collective art project of all of our students faculty and staff at the time. We talked about what grounds us, uh, you know, in our lives, and then also what we stand up for. Those kinds of activities have really become um, central to the celebration of Justice Brandeis Day. Um, we tend to do something that asks students to uh, reflect on who they are um, and who they aspire to be. Um, as a member of a community, whether that's a classroom community, a family community, neighborhood community, whatever it might be. And then we do some creative practice, usually um, with younger kids and older kids working together to celebrate the day. Um, on the right here, this portrait of Justice Brandeis also hangs in our lobby now. Um, and this was uh, done by a middle school art elective um, in celebration of Justice Brandeis Day. The quote here in the frank expression of conflicting opinions lies the greatest promise of wisdom. Um, this is another sort of type of thing that we tend to uh, invite our kids to wrestle with, really thinking about how engaging with different ideas can be 
critical both in um, Jewish practice um, as well as in the practice of uh, citizenship um, and being a member of a, whether it's a classroom community uh, or what have you. And I, I think this is a point that I think is really important for, for us at Brandeis and I would imagine for any school that is thinking about uh, really being intentional about how it teaches ethical democracy to kids is that it, it can't be um, singular, right? Like we can't have our schools become echo chambers for um, a single perspective. We know that so many in our adult communities um, are struggling with the sort of echo chambers of social media. Um, and so, you know, it's really important for us as we think about um, teaching these things that there's not only room for um, different ways of thinking, but actually a, an explicit um, expectation that we're uh, exploring multiple perspectives or conflicting opinions as uh, Justice Brandeis put it here. So um, again, coming out of then the creation of this school holiday or this um, day of learning that we engage in each year, um, the, the next piece that was really important was to name this as a, um, as a collective aspiration, um, something that we really wanted to try and do together um, or try and accomplish together. So the following fall in 2018, when we published a strategic plan, um, we put this idea of, uh, of democracy and, and wanting our graduates to go on and be stewards of democracy front and center. It is, you know, literally it's on the front of our strategic plan. This, uh, um, for those of you who are watching this here, this is actually a, the front page of our strategic plan here. That has also been really helpful. So um, again, in thinking about how do you, um, how do you create the context for doing this kind of work in a school setting? Um, I think it's really important to uh, to name it as a goal that this is, you know, it's not floating in the background. It is not um, just something that a few teachers maybe are interested in, but really you say this is something that we as a community aspire to on behalf of our children. And I think, frankly, it is something that all of our community should aspire to on behalf of our children. It's really important um, that kids uh, learn how to do this kind of um, thinking and this kind of work. In addition to naming it at the front end of our strategic plan, we also wanted to think about how this lives pedagogically. So um, we have three pedagogical beliefs at the front of our strategic plan. This one really focuses on the connection between student-centered learning and real-world learning. So um, it's not just in learning about um, civics and democracy that we want our kids thinking about how does this live in uh, the world beyond our school. Uh, it is also in um, math classes that are, you know, um, exploring uh, the the challenge around housing costs in the Bay Area or um, design maker education type of classes that are doing work on, um, you know, designing solutions to the homelessness crisis uh, here in San Francisco and in the greater Bay Area. So 
Um, we really want kids making those connections to the world beyond them, but we also want all of this to really um, be centered in our kids and their experience of the world. Um, Paulo Freire, uh, the great Brazilian uh, philosopher of education, was one of his key ideas about um, education as a practice of freedom was the idea that um, the you know what you are studying the the themes uh, that you are studying they have to come from the lives of the learners they can't come exclusively from the lives um, of the teachers and um, so we we see that as important here as well we've now kind of hopefully have given you a little bit of sense of like big picture how did we think about doing this we put a stake in the ground around an annual celebration of civics and democracy we we named it in our strategic plan as a collective goal. We thought about how that flows through to, uh, to pedagogy and teaching and learning. Um, and in all of that, these were conversations that we're having uh, here as a school. We're talking about it you know, around the board table. We're talking about it in faculty meetings. We're um, wrestling with it at, at work week, really like you know, inviting a lot of ideas uh, and a lot of voices into the room. Um, and out of all of that work came the Mifkash project or Encountering Democracy. This is a project that we're currently um, in the midst of. Um, we actually um, applied to the Covenant Foundation for a signature grant to support this work. So we're just finishing our first calendar year um, of that project with their support. Um, and I want to um, really appreciate how much the Covenant Foundation pushes um, creativity in everything that they do. So I think it's been a really great fit for us in thinking about not just Jewish ethics and democracy, but also where does um, where does design and creativity live in all of this as well. And so what we're developing is this educators toolkit around civic engagement. We're um, thinking about uh, how we bring kids into direct contact with uh, local and state government. How do we embed um, Jewish ethics and democratic habits of mind in our daily classroom practices? And uh, how do we give kids and teachers the tools um, to, you know, engage with and think about the, you know, our democracy um, as it continues to, um, uh, you know, be a story that is written in real time. We created an, uh, a design team of eight teachers that uh, signed up to work on this project over the course of three years. Um, these eight teachers are uh, broken out into four Hevruta pairs working on four different strands of this project. Um, so the four strands of the project are encountering de democracy. This is the um, uh, kind of experiential um, piece of the project where we really um, want to bring our kids into direct contact with uh, local and state government officials. Um, the second one is looking at the where Jewish American history and, and American democracy have, have intersected. Um, so, you know, are there um, points along the way that we can um, explore as a as a kind of nexus of the growth of both democracy and uh, the Jewish American story? 
the third strand is um, focused on, again, embedding those practices of Jewish ethics and democratic habits of mind into just um, what we do um, and, and how we think uh, and learn together in our classrooms on a daily basis. Um, and finally, reflective practices in real time is, um, is trying to create structures for um, our teachers to guide student reflection um, on moments in, in history. So um, I'll share an example. I'll, I'll share an example from each of these four as we go forward. Um, and hopefully uh, it, these will become clearer. So Encountering Democracy, this is uh, actually a screenshot from a, a class webpage um, that my uh, colleague Sandy Bisson put together. Um, for an elective that we'll be teaching um, together this spring, where uh, we're really going to try and dive into understanding local government. So um, we have a system of uh, supervisors here in San Francisco. There's a board of supervisors, uh, and we want our kids to really understand what does that mean? You know, what does it mean to be part of District 7 here where our school is? Um, we're lucky to have a Brandeis graduate, uh, Raphael Mandelman, who is one of the um, district supervisors here in San Francisco right now. So that's a, a, an opportunity for us to connect directly. And then one of the things I love about um, the, the design behind this particular elective is that um, the, the outcome of this elective is not just learning about local government, but how would we then teach third graders about this. And, and I have to say, one of the things that we've uncovered in this research work that we've been doing this last year plus is just the absolute dearth of, of any materials for young people or curricula around local government, which I think is so interesting because the folks that I know who um, are most engaged in politics uh, and who, who work directly in and around government always say, you know, if if you really care about democracy, the thing to do is to get involved at a local level. Like that is where you can really um, have an impact. And so I think as a nation, there is a, an awareness right now that we need to do better in teaching civics. Um, and I hope that coming out of this, um, there will be uh, good work around teaching civics in terms of local and state government as well. So this is this will be a piece of our contribution to that. That's that first strand. The second strand was, uh, is looking at Jewish contributions to American democracy and democratic contributions to American Jewry. This is um, from this past March when we had the centennial of the first bat mitzvah. Um, and we realized that was an opportunity for us to look at also the history of um, women's suffrage uh, in the United States. This was fun. This is actually some, uh, these are bat mitzvah photos from some of our faculty and staff. The kids, you can imagine, really loved that when we did that in the full assembly. And of course, we were looking at this in the context also of American history. Um, this group is currently looking at the history of the, of Harvey Milk, uh, the gay rights movement, uh, Congregation Shar Zahav here in San Francisco. And um, sort of tying the, the strands uh, of those pieces together from the 1970s. The third strand, which is looking at um, Jewish ethics and democratic habits of mind, 
sort of thinking about this question here in the second grade, this is Sarah Goldrath, one of our um, second grade teachers who is actually doing a master's degree through the DELIT program at uh, HUC this last year and um, focusing her thesis work on this question of uh, democracy in action in the second grade classroom. She created the structure of a democratic class meeting where for 30 minutes a week, um, students would raise issues that they were seeing in their classroom community or in the school. There would be um, a proposed solutions and a debate um, and students then vote on something to try and then they would um, they would try it for the week and then reflect on it the following week. Here's a short clip from a second grade class meeting. All right, let's get started. I'll read what it says. It says, today, the majority of people voted on the problem about not letting others join. Some people say, we already started, you can't play. I need to know, I look back at our class meeting notes. There are some class meeting notes way up there in the color. And I saw that in October, we discussed that some people are feeling excluded. So this is a similar problem. And that in January, we decided to not form groups or clubs because those are also could be exclusive. Anyone's able to join if they want to join. So this is an ongoing problem. We've already had two class meeting discussions about people feeling excluded. But because, because most people or a majority of people voted on this as a problem, that tells me it's still a problem. So we're gonna discuss this even though we've already come up with two solutions for being excluded. Um, I'm gonna take notes in here. And what our goal is for us to notice, this is an ongoing problem and we need to fix it. How can we solve this? First, we'll talk about why this is a problem, why it's an ongoing problem, then we'll open it up to solutions and debate. First, we're gonna start with why is this a problem and why do you think this keeps happening? There you see just sort of the structure of the uh, democratic class meeting as it's happening in a second grade classroom, um, the callback to uh, conversations that, that they've been having, solutions that they've already proposed, um, and and again, you know, just the the framing, right? That because a majority voted on this, we know it's still an issue. It, embedding these kinds of practices in the uh, in the daily work of the school, in the daily life of the classroom, I think really can have a big impact for kids. And of course, right? Ultimately, what we're talking about there is one of our community values, right? Of of chesed or kindness, right? We're wanting to be sure that kids are being kind and connecting to each other. Um, this is just a, a quick shot of something that was shared out by the reflective practices in real time strand. So that fourth strand of the Mif Mifgash project before the 2022 elections, um, they put together a, a lesson plan and brief handout that just gave teachers the simple tools to invite 
um, students to reflect a little bit on what they were seeing coming up in what they, you know, read together in the news or engaged with um, through some of the um, sort of age appropriate news resources that we have available for kids in the classrooms um, related to these elections and how they could connect back uh, to their values. So um, some specific pieces of work uh, that you see here from these various strands of the project. This work is ongoing. We're imagining that it's a three-year cycle. We're only at the end of the first of those three years. Broadly, I said uh, at the outset that I think it's important to that this work be about empowering faculty. So that there's a piece of this here that is also about make, you know giving people the sense that this is something that matters to us and we can find different entry points into the questions of citizenship and how that relates um, to our shared community values across the curriculum in every grade level, right? So whether it's about um, really understanding ourselves uh, so that we can connect with others uh, in the kindergarten curriculum, um, considering what our mutual obligations are uh, in the elementary school curriculum, or, you know, this is a, um, a slide from a fifth grade classroom um, from last January, where, you know, the, the teacher was just sharing with the students what the actual oath of office is, right? We hear about um, when presidents get sworn in and vice presidents get sworn into the office, um, there is an oath that they take. And so, um, you know, this, again, this was just a lesson that a fifth grade teacher did, Madeline McKenzie did on inaugurations. It was everything you ever wanted to know about inaugurations. Um, and to me, this is a real sort of example of, you know, when you when you start from a place of really setting the context and saying, this is something that we care about, that we're going to be exploring and working on together, you end up with a faculty that feels empowered uh, to take that in directions that you wouldn't um, even necessarily have thought of yourself. I want to uh, close before um, we go to questions uh, or conversation with um, a final quote. I actually just put this slide in here today. Shout out to uh, Sources, a journal of Jewish ideas from the Shalom Hartman Institute. Um, Yehuda Kurtzer has a great essay at the lead of this current issue on um, liberal Zionism and the idea of the idea. You know, he's really talking about the relationship between liberalism and Zionism in the essay, but he also talks about the relationship between Judaism and democracy and, and how we as citizens uh, need to hold our societies accountable to um, our highest ideals. I love this idea that that Judaism requires an interlacing with our democratic commitments. I think that is something that um, I experience as being profoundly true. Um, and I think when we think about this work of teaching toward an ethical democracy in the context of Jewish day schools, um, that's really what this is about, right? That there is, um, you know, we believe that that we are at our best as uh, as a democracy and as American Jews when we understand those two commitments as uh, as deeply interrelated. Thank you, Elliot, and thank you, Dan, uh, for a very uh, impressive and thought-provoking presentation. 
Uh, my goal is to sort of uh, dig a little bit deeper and serve as sort of the avatar for some of our audience who I'm sure uh, was also as engaged and interested uh, as I was. I'm wondering first, what was the runway like for you in terms of uh, teaching teachers, onboarding teachers, building consensus about what you were looking to do with this campaign and this program? How much time did you put into, before we sort of roll this out publicly to our community, back-end work of getting teachers on board and feeling not only fluent about what we're talking about, but what the big vision is for this? You know, when it when we sort of sum it all up in a in a pretty thirty minute slideshow and presentation, it it, it belies all the the messiness that uh, that got us to that point and the amount of the, the collective engagement it, that it required. You know, going back, for example, to the that very first slide about Justice Brandeis Day, right? When we said, okay, you know, we sort of had the aha moment of, wow, we haven't taught about who this person was that our school is named for. We put out an all call to our faculty and said, look, you know, whether you are a middle school social studies or Judaic studies teacher, or you are a, you know, kindergarten PE teacher, if you're interested in thinking about how we might do this, come and join us. We'll buy lunch and we'll have a series of conversations over the course of a few months about like what this could look like. And um, eventually we created a, uh, a pretty established committee of faculty and administration that did the work both of um, designing the first uh, Justice Brandeis Day, which was um, very involved. We had like five or six different workshops that middle schoolers were, were doing, and we had a mentoring project where the older kids and younger kids were working together. We had uh, teaching slideshows for the younger students and uh, an assembly. So there, there was a lot to it. Um, and that was that group of a, about 12 people were the was the group that was kind of the engine behind that. And then over the years, sort of once we got that up and running in the first couple of years, we were able to kind of hand that over to the work of our programmatic leadership team because it was more tinkering with an established uh, um, setup as opposed to um, recreating things new each year. We in general at Brandeis really try and um, practice, you know, collaborative leadership and collaborative thinking when it comes to big programmatic questions. So um, that, you know, a version of that whole thing also happened to write our whole strategic plan. So all of that language um, came out of like a real uh, intentional multi-year process um, with, you know, as much of the community as possible. Love it. H having climbed the mountain already, uh, is there any advice you would give uh, if you were going to climb it again in a different setting or to a school starting fresh? Anything you would have done differently about the process, the order of operations or strategy? I I do think that you've got to be conscientious about your specific context, right? And so for us uh, being here in San Francisco, you know, we've sort of taken this tack of looking at uh, what local government looks like here, but that's partly been a result of, you know, having both trustees and faculty members who have some deep connection and, and interest in those, uh, in those matters. We do some work with um, Ariel Raz, who I know is going to be at the Prisma conference uh, in January. I'm excited to see him there. 
Um, but we've been working with him here at Brandeis for a while, and he has a slide he likes to show uh, about how design work sort of looks like this like messy squiggle of stuff, and then eventually it coalesces into sort of a single line coming out of that messy squiggle. Um, so I feel like, you know, if, if I were starting from the beginning, I would probably line it up so that we're doing some of the research and design work that we're doing in the Mifkash project first, and then have the strategic plan come out of that. Because I imagine the, the language could be even richer, the aspirations even more particular. The other learning, which isn't, which is maybe more specific, is just um, curriculum design is extremely labor intensive. And so getting faculty um, working together around um, really like coming up with new, new ideas, new approaches um, during the school year is a real challenge. So we have a monthly design team meeting for the Mifkash project. And, you know, we spend a good portion of that meeting just being like building each other up, being like, hey, it's okay. You know, like you didn't get quite as much done as you wanted to this month. And like, that's all right. Like we're still moving forward with this and we still see the positive outcomes uh, for our students. So, you know, I think for anybody that is that is trying to, to lead curriculum design work, you know, just to remember that that's hard to do during the school year. And, you know, it requires a lot of patience for oneself. And that's a great segue to, to my next question, which is, let's say I'm a school who looks at this presentation that you just did and said, this sounds amazing, but getting from where I am right now to where you are with your, with your day and your vision and your, you know, strategic plan, um, you know, and so, and I, I love the visual of the rocks with the foundation of the school's values, all that seems great, but so far away from me in my school, but I would at the same time love to improve the level of discourse and civil uh, conversation that we're engaging in. Are there any small tweaks that you can recommend based on your experience that a school who might say this is a long ways away, but in the short term, I'd love to improve the quality of our dialogue. Any recommendations like that? Yeah, well, I mean, I sort of feel like there's a there's some like wisdom in the Chabad approach here of like do one Jewish thing, like do one thing, pick one thing, you know, like really that was it for us. We said we want our kids to know about who Justice Brandeis was, right? For you, it might be, you know, we want our kids to know about state politics in North Carolina, where we're located, or, you know, we, we want our kids to, um, to better understand uh, this upcoming election cycle. And so pick, pick that one thing, and then invite people to do it with you. I mean, what I have found to be profoundly true is that, you know, everybody I talk to has a pretty pronounced anxiety about the state of of our democracy, right? Like, you know, whether that's coming from the the right or the left, from conservative or um, liberal perspectives, um, I think people are aware that things feel very fractious, that, that, um, that we're not doing a good job of talking to one another. You know, I think Judaism offers such a profound example of a tradition that to its core, values uh, competing perspectives, values multiple voices, right? I mean, you just have to open the Talmud and, and you're going to see, you know, 
five or six perspectives on a single page, right? And so we, I think we have um, something to offer our students here. We're already, it, any given Jewish day school around the country is already sort of bringing people up into, you know, hopefully some real, really authentic sense of their relationship to the tradition. Um, so, you know, find that one point of connection in your community and and go after it. And I think you can trust that there'll be, there'll be a bunch of educators around you who are excited to work on it and talk about it with you. My, my last question is a, a segue from that, which is, have you found that the, some of the real or perceived political divisions have manifested themselves as pushback or resistance to this project in any way? And over the course of, uh, of time when you've been dealing with it, how have you responded to it? Uh, and how have you been able to, to, to manage that effectively? The short answer is that we have really uh, worked to have this project be about um, an understanding of the institutions of democracy, an understanding of the uh, obligations of citizenship, but not a, a sort of doctrinaire approach to, you know, this side has it right or that side has it right. And also, I mean, to go back to that, that Yehuda Kurtzer essay, right? Like really looking at what are our highest ideals, right? Our highest ideals as a country um, are about a belief that everyone has value, right? Um, and, you know, we often talk about that in the context of B'Tselem Elohim here, right? The idea that we're all created in the image of God, we're all equally valuable as citizens. Um, and so we've been lucky to not have the degree of pushback that I know um, some communities are really struggling with. I think when done well, the, the idea of teaching toward an ethical democracy is really just about preparing kids to better understand people who are different from them uh, and to be in dialogue with those folks. Right. Um, and that that's not, uh, you know, that's not a left or right thing or a red or a blue thing. That's like that's something that should matter to all of us if if we want to have a thriving democracy. And I think, you know, um, most people who work in education really want that. Dan, this has been um, enlightening. Uh, thank you for allowing me to ask a few questions um, and learn a little bit more. And thank you for your work in making sure that our students are growing up uh, not in echo chambers, but uh, as, as open uh, to new ideas and setting the bar to role model what uh, civil uh, disagreement and dialogue and hopefully um, productive relationships uh, look like. So thank you for the work that you're doing and letting us learn a little bit more about them and hand it back over to Elliot. So much rich material for conversation here. Uh, I wanna start with the question of the impact that this program has on your Jewish education in the school. And you, you talked about the shaping of uh, pedagogy. I'm wondering if it's had an impact also on the curriculum in the Jewish classroom. Uh, we've worked really hard really separately from everything I've described here um, to uh, to break down any barriers so that we're not siloed uh, and so that our our you know Jewish studies faculty is not off to one side and um, so we have uh, multiple folks from the Jewish studies team who are part of the Mifgash team I think you know the the turn toward um, 
really student-centered learning that I uh, highlighted in that piece from our strategic plan. Um, we've really seen that um, in, in a number of places in the uh, Judaic studies curriculum. Um, I was just remarking we have, um, there's a, an eighth grade project <clears throat> that our students are doing right now where they are acting as um, commentators on text. So they pick a piece of text, they write their commentary, um, and then they send it out and uh, they have a, you know, they comment on a, one of their fellow students' commentary and their parents do a commentary on it and someone from our um, faculty does a commentary on it. So we're getting these like layered commentaries, right? But but at the core, pedagogically, what you're saying to that child is, um, you know, this tradition isn't something for you to just observe, but but you're actively engaging in it, right? You are a commentator of the sort that somebody may someday read or like, you know, a quote in their uh, B'nai Mitzvah drash, right? And and so um, that kind of um, affirmation of the value of young people, um, I think we see that through line throughout our um, Judaic studies curriculum. There's a, a project I love in first grade where kids are invited to think about what sacred space means to them. So they're starting, first grade does a lot of um, really deep study of the Shacharit, the morning prayer service. And as part of that, they're thinking about what does it mean to, you know, what is sacred, right? Uh, what does it mean to make a space sacred or to think about the sacred? And so they're invited to think like, what does the sacred mean to me? And where is sacred space in my life, right? Um, and so we get these, you know, goofy little first grade, grade drawings of like, you know, sacred space for me is like my my now eighth grader when she was in first grade hers was like a big stuffed animal where she liked to sit and read because sacred for her was feeling like calm and connected and that's where she felt that right and we get those kinds of articulations but again right the the message is not just that there's one way to do this and that the tradition says this is what it means for a thing to be sacred we're asking them what does this mean to you right or our kindergartners create their own Torah scrolls and they they paint their own uh, scenes from uh, Bereshit and like so you know again like make it your own right and and so I think if we're we're saying to them pedagogically that we want them to ask questions of themselves and of their world that's got to be true in the Jewish space as much as it is anywhere else and um, it's a real credit to our faculty that you know, they've continually been reflecting on that and thinking about where they can raise it up further. One thing that really interests me is the way that this uh, Mifgash project has raised uh, the profile of American Jews and American Jewish history. And of course, your school's name does that quite uh, markedly as well. And um you know, I, I don't know that so many schools really do that, spend much time on American Jewish history. And I'm wondering if you could talk about that and if how and why you bring forward these figures from American uh, Jewish community and Jewish civic participation in American life. And if, if it's part of some larger focus on uh, the place of Jews in the country. 
That's such an interesting question, Elliot. Um, and I think very much an active conversation. So in addition to the work of the Mifkash project, we're also in the second year of a, a curriculum review process as part of our strategic plan. And I've been sitting with the middle school social studies department uh, as we're looking at sort of how these different pedagogical beliefs that we hold show up in what we teach and how we make determinations about what we teach and, and so on. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the question of where the American Jewish experience shows up in our curriculum is very much an ongoing one. You know, San Francisco is such an interesting place because it was settled by Western European Jews earlier in the 19th century than um, a lot of the East Coast Jewish communities. And so you had very um, white looking Jews very early on. And so the Jews in San Francisco have been um, able to access civic life and be able to participate in civic life from very early on. They were, they were wealthier and whiter, frankly, than their Eastern European um, immigrant counterparts. And, and, um, and so, you know, I think for us specifically, being in the context of San Francisco um, gives us opportunity to reflect on that story. We do um, in third grade, it's part of our social studies curriculum to look at San Francisco history. And we look at, you know, we have um, a part of that is looking at the um, synagogues in San Francisco and their, um, how they're built and what they're intended to represent. But, uh, you know, we have started to look at, okay, how can we really layer in that history of, you know, there were there were Jewish mayors of San Francisco in the 19th century. And, you know, that that's very atypical. You know, I think, again, going back to the question um, that Josh posed about where do you begin? I think getting centered in where you are and the community you're serving. I mean, you know, San Francisco is an interesting place. And so using it as a, a text to think about the American Jewish experience is helpful. But I think all of us as Jewish day schools can do can do more with that particular part of the story um, beyond just like Jews in the gold rush, which is sort of the one the one unit that seems to have gotten around a little bit. So you brought in uh, Yehuda Kurtzer. So I, I can't help but ask if your the way that you do Israel education in your school has been colored by this uh, emphasis on democracy? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Um, I mean, I do think it's it's heightened our attention to the elections in Israel. And, you know, frankly, there's an election every few months in Israel these days. And so it's given us a lot of opportunity to talk to kids about it. I, we did do, over the last couple of years, we... Um, Debbie Artsmore, our director of Jewish learning, um, got trained up on the re resetting the table um, model of sort of creating dialogue around uh, around Israel in in communities, and she has now led uh, trainings for both our um, faculty and our parent community um, in 
um, you know, creating space for healthy conversation around Israel, right? And so um, that is very much aligned with uh, this, the sort of structure of like a um, open ethical dialogue, right? Um, that that we were talking about and thinking about what it means to be a citizen of a healthy democracy. You know, again, it's, I think the, the Mifkash project is not explicitly about Israel education, but all the sort of bigger thinking that we have been doing, um, right? Like, I mean, we say in the strategic plan that we want to graduate students who will be stewards of democracy. We don't say just American democracy, right? And that that was an, an intentional conversation, right? That we wanted, you know, the Israeli democracy to be part of that story as well, because it is for, for our community, right? So... I want to conclude with the question looking looking towards the field again. Have you spoken to other schools about how they educate uh, towards democracy? And if so, do you see the work in the Mifgash project as part of a larger movement across the field? Yeah, so we've we've done some work of connecting with other folks um, about how they're thinking about this. Um, both through the Prisma network and um, through the Covenant uh, directors meeting, just talking with other people that are thinking along these lines. We obviously, organizations like Civic Spirit um, that are also really trying to help schools think about how to build this up. Uh, Facing History is another group. So we've had meetings with each of these groups and, and tr- you know, we're certainly trying to um, get a conversation going. I will say a bunch of us will be at the Prisma conference in Denver um, next month. And so um, look look me up. We would love to get a group of schools who are interested in this together to talk about it because, uh, you know, we would love to learn from one another and, and share. So absolutely. And that's uh, the best way for for the field to grow is through these kind of precious time for conversations. Thank you so much, Dan. This was a really inspiring and informative uh, talk about a really important subject. And since you mentioned the conference, I want to invite people, uh, if you happen to be attending the conference, which we hope you will, uh, in Denver next month, please join us at the next podcast live, which will be recorded live and in person, in person part being for the first time. Uh, and it will feature <laughs> Rebecca Lurie of uh, Schechter School in Boston talking about her interesting and unusual uh, administrative structure. 